Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking Today. Craig Malonso and Mike Hammett. Mike, did I pronounce your last name right? Uh, I yes, was... sir. You okay. Got it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, and I should have asked you that off the air, but uh, um, I, I know we've known each other for a couple of years now, met at baseball a couple of years ago. And, uh, uh, and I know you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a Royals fan. Yes. I mean, I've got a little thing in the background, a little uh, World Series oh. uh, flag uh, or, yeah, back uh, in my office here anyway. So yeah. I see that now. The, the good days, uh, 2015, anyway. And uh, now the baby Royals, which I do, I do like them anyway. They're fun to watch, even though they're 20 games under 500. So. Uh, my Reds are the same way, but it's, it's been since uh, ooh, 1991 or 92 since we've won mm. a World Series. Yeah. So, but uh, lots of young players. I just noticed that the uh, watching the game last night, the Reds have the num- number four farm system now in all mm-hmm. of baseball but because that's because we got rid of everybody on our team before the trading deadline and picked up every shortstop imaginable so and now but, the royals have the worst farm system in baseball because we brought everybody up from the minors and they start seven rookies some games so yeah, yeah. it's uh it, it's a little different anyway <laughs> Well, the Reds have set a Major League Baseball record for number of players that have played in a game or played in a game in the season. Oh, my. So, yeah, yeah. We, we know between uh, be, between uh, calling guys up. Now, now, we called a lot of guys up, too. We've got a lot of rookies on the team. But at the same mm-hmm. time, because of all the trades, we've got a lot of rookies uh, that we, yeah. we were able to replenish our uh, – it, uh, our, our farm system. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, I'm not sure what day expanded rosters come in, but it'll be interesting to see who the Reds call up. Absolutely. So, yeah. But that's not what we're here to talk about. So, no. <laughs> and everybody's going like, this is not a baseball podcast. No, it's not. But hey, when you talk with baseball guys, you talk about baseball. So, um, that, first congratulations you're the new voice not not necessarily a new voice for the warhawks but you are now officially the men's uh basketball and the football voice for ulm after being the baseball voice for the last three years or four years four years yeah so uh, thank you yeah it's been uh yeah a little bit of a surprise anyway to have it come up this year but uh, some things changing and and uh Nick White, who's done this for, you know, the four years that I've been here is the full voice anyway. He's done basketball for a little longer and did baseball before I got here that uh, had some things happen that he took over the ESPN Plus role so he could be home more a little bit with his family and just kind of get off the road some. So uh, that's a good situation for him and he gets to keep broadcasting and uh, I get to take over and, you know, I, I don't know that I planned on ever becoming the voice of the Warhawks while I was here, you know, but uh, I'll take it. And, and now looks like we're going to be here for a little while longer. And, you know, it's broad being a broadcaster. It's kind of a nomadic life at times. And so it's good to be able to be here and put down some roots, especially that I've got some kids in school. So they've been worried. I've been interviewing for a couple other jobs and whatnot about moving again. And now we're here. I mean, and so I think they're, they're excited to not have to give up those friends. They can keep those friends and, uh, keep uh, going on in schools up here. Well, excellent. I know, uh, you know, when talking with Nick throughout the, throughout the last, especially the last couple of years, uh, 
family's important to him and I'm very happy for Nick and we'll get Nick on later on on the year and talk about his new role and how different it is because broadcasting base um excuse me uh radio and football uh radio and football baseball and football uh mm-hmm. radio and television are two different animals so mm-hmm. absolutely and I did the football ESPN plus last year and it's you just provide some captions radio you got to give every detail that you can anyway and paint that picture. So it's, I prefer the challenge of radio anyway. And so I'm, I'm just excited to get into this role and get going in Austin next weekend. Yes. I prefer, I prefer the radio broadcast, but that's just being a tad bit bias <laughs> on my part. So let's jump right in. Then uh, I say jump right in after we've been talking about baseball and your new promotion, but I did want to say on air, uh, congratulations. So well, uh, you. you're welcome. Uh, Terry Bowden, second year, um, much changed from his first year. I mean, I, I guess a little bit, there's not the, Ooh, we've got a new coach. We've got in this mm-hmm. Terry Bowden and all that, maybe a little, a little quieter at times, but much changed as far as, uh, coaching staff and all that. You know, it is a little different this year just because uh, you lose both coordinators to lose Rich Rodriguez, uh, who was the offensive coordinator a year ago and associate head coach, uh, going to Jacksonville State to lead that program as they make their transition to the FBS. And then he took Zach Alley, the defensive coordinator, with him over to Jacksonville State. So, uh, you know, Coach Bowden and his leadership, the guys know him. They know his style and what he expects of them. So that stays the same. But you do have a different offensive coordinator Matt Kubik comes back uh, after leaving following the 2019 season to go to Southern Miss for a year. He's back. And so it's exciting to see him uh, try to, you know, he, he even recruited some of the older guys on this roster that are still around anyway. And then Vic Koning, who, uh, you know, Sunbelt fans are familiar with is back as, is here as a defensive coordinator. Now that a couple of different stints at Troy for him and time at Clemson, Kansas state and all over the place for him anyway. So uh, a veteran guy there. So while Coach Bowden, his leadership, his expectations, the culture he's setting for the program is all the same on the field, the X's and O's, probably a little different this year with Coach Cubic coming in with his scheme. It's not going to be the high tempo, fast paced, Rich Rodriguez type of thing. And defensively, Vic Koning, I know, shaking some things up a little bit, doing some different schemes there as well. Well, let's talk about the offense first. Uh, you guys last year, because of necessity, uh, ran a two quarterback system, not mm-hmm. not, not a two quarterback system, uh, as in running in and out, but mm-hmm. but uh, uh, Brett Rodriguez, I believe. Uh, yeah, Brett Rodriguez. Yeah, Rich's son. Yeah, uh, got hurt, so the necessity was to bring in another quarterback and do some mm-hmm. things. Uh, uh, so, where do you stand now? Is it a whole? Mm-hmm. Is, is that the is the other gentleman there or? Was he a senior? Has he moved on? Or do you have a whole new quarterback coming in? Uh, Chandler Rogers was the guy last year to go with Rhett Rodriguez. Chandler started about six games in the middle of the season. He's back, just got named the starter on Tuesday after a battle in camp with Jaya Wright, who was the third string guy a year ago, but also came in late last year. And so he didn't get fully acclimated into the system early. And so he didn't get to battle a year ago for that spot. Both of them are very similar in their styles. They're both quarterbacks that can get out and run, but they can, they're the dual threat guys. They can both run and throw pretty well. So I know coach Matt Kubik has said he's excited about that. If 
you lose Chandler Rogers, which don't get me wrong. You don't want to lose your starting quarterback, but if that were to happen, they can just slide Jaya right in and it doesn't change anything with the offense. Whereas sometimes you go from that guy who can run to a guy who's strictly a pocket passer or the other way around. So you have to change things. And so this, they can keep it the same. And I think he's excited about that, but a tight battle. I mean, really, you know, watching the first couple of scrimmages that they had, I thought it could have gone either way. I think what gave Chandler the nod in the end though, is he did start uh, six games a year ago. He was the guy there in that middle portion of the season, won some big games. He was the guy at quarterback when the Warhawks pulled off the biggest upset of the season by beating Liberty. So he does have that little bit of experience, but again, we'll see how long, you know, hopefully he does have success and it doesn't turn into a controversy, but he does have somebody who's going to push him and make it competitive all season and Jaya Wright right behind him. I'm noticing Chandler Rogers, um, if if you're, if your website is correct, which I'm assuming mm-hmm. it is, uh, was all led in attempts in rushing as well. Is that yes, correct? I think so. Yeah. And last year was a little different running back just because uh, Andrew Henry was the guy initially. He battled some injuries in and out. And then they just kind of got thin at running back too. Uh, Malik Jackson, who actually enters this year, they haven't named the starting running back yet, but it doesn't matter. It's going to be between Andrew Henry and Malik Jackson. That He was a wide receiver and comes in and now is a potential uh, – he is going to be the 1A or 1B at running back this year. He's taken that role. He had two huge games to close the year last season at running back, including the game down in Lafayette against the Cajuns. I mean, that was uh, a game he went up for over 100 yards again. So he had back-to-back 100-yard games to close out the year which isn't bad for a guy who was playing wide receiver a few weeks before that. So no. he's been focusing at running back. He'll be good in there. Andrew Henry's good there too. And uh, brings back a little, maybe a little more power. He does have speed, not necessarily breakaway speed, but he can hit that home run for you too. And then throw in behind him, Isaiah Phillips, who was here, I believe and Caleb Evans was still here a little bit. He's a guy that's been around the program a while. And more depth behind them, Zach Martin, Charlie Norman got some time a year ago. Uh, You know, running back's a spot. I mean, really, the skill spots for the Warhawks, they feel like they've got a lot of depth this year, and running back is certainly uh, no different. They're they're really excited about what they have there. Well, including Channon Rogers, you're bringing back your top three, uh, whether whether you look at it by attempts or gain, your, your top three guys, and Malik Jackson, you know, five, like you said, it, it was later on in the year that he moved to running back, but 5.6 yards per carry is not a nothing to sneeze about, especially. Uh, that, that's, yeah, that's not bad. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it helps when you t- take that 75 yard run, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. That helps too. I mean, he and he's he does have that home run, that breakaway speed. I mean, when he hits the hole and he's got green in front of him, it's over. And so. They're excited about that. Henry, again, you know, maybe a little more between the tackles, but he can bounce it too. I mean, all of those guys are versatile. Uh, you know, as the offensive coordinator, you know, Matt Kubik likes to throw to the backs a little bit. Well, Malik Jackson's a former wide receiver, so I think you're going to see a lot of that with him too. Is, is that uh, is that swinging the ball out of the backfield with a, with a screen pass or just a, a swing pass? Out, out to one of the sides, or is that getting the ball downfield to the running backs? Mostly those little, you know, swing passes. They they will run the running back out and downfield some too uh, every now and then. But, you know, it's mostly just trying to stretch it a little bit, get to the edge and do those types of things. But uh, 
you know, it's exciting, I think, to have that kind of depth. And, you know, Coach Mac, uh, one thing I've always said about Matt Kubik, he's so great. He's got his system, yes, but he is so good about adapting his system to the talent that is there rather than trying to hammer the talent into the system and make it make them work. He tries to mold what he wants to do around them. So I think that's going to be a big plus for the Warhawks this year offensively. Let's talk about the receivers and the greatest name in all of football, Boogie Knight. How do you get a guy from Ohio to come down here? First of all, I know, I believe he started out at Ohio State. Started out at Ohio State, uh, didn't play there, went to Akron, and that's how he ends up here at ULM because he was there at Akron as Terry Bowden was wrapping things up there. So okay. he got that connection with Coach. And so uh, he was looking for a new landing spot after uh, two years ago. Coach Bowden gets this job, and so it was an opportunity to come reunite with Coach Bowden and come down here to Louisiana. And uh, he's one of the guys that's, uh, you know, there haven't been many guys with the big NIL deals and whatnot, but he's, he's won. He's got the T-shirts he's selling and everything, you know, taking advantage of having a nickname like Boogie. And uh, he's, he's going to be fun this year, too, just playing in the slot and doing things over the middle, returning kicks. I mean, he's a guy that uh, he brings some electricity. He's the first guy in, last guy out. I mean, he is uh, every coach, every player has called him the leader of this offense. He's the heartbeat of everything that that allows, you know, a young guy like Chandler Rogers, who's taken over the offense, maybe takes a little pressure off of him because you have somebody else out there that's taken ownership of things too. So I got to ask, you said, uh, which I would have probably assumed that Boogie was not his real first name, but what is his, his, his given name, I guess, because I'm not seeing it on the website here. His given name is Jeremiah, but he, he only wants Boogie listed on the website, but that's what he goes by. So yeah, he didn't want the you know the 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 full name out there and just everybody calls him Boogie. No, he that's what he's listed as on the roster. It's what he's listed as with the NCAA. I mean, it's a it's a full thing. Yeah, he he enjoys it. He loves it. So uh, we're hoping to get a little more uh, you know Boogie on the Bayou or something going this year here in Monroe. Well, you know, it, it's funny because uh, we had a guy a few years back playing baseball, handsome Monica. Uh, mm-hmm. his now he had changed his name legally to handsome. Yes. So, oh my uh, goodness. It's, uh, it's, I forgot what is, uh, his, his original given name was, but okay. I mean, I'm just, I'm looking on here and I don't see anything different except no. for boogie. So I'm going like, Hey, Hey, good for him, man. Yeah. If, he, if he, if he can get that into, uh, hell, if I would have known, I'm gonna have to go look, see if I can find a t-shirt. Cause that wouldn't be a bad, <laughs> He's, no. he's done well with that. I've seen a few of them around here in Monroe. So he's, he's doing well with that anyway. Good, good NIL success story with him. <laughs> it, 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 he is, um, I'm trying to think. He's a very dynamic receiver as well. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got, he's got some speed. He's got some moves. He's, you know, he's not, it's, it's not just the name, I guess, is what I'm trying to right. say. Yeah. He's, he'll be the slot guy. He's the guy over the middle all the time. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily the deep ball guy, but he's going to be a guy that can get it in space and make a couple guys miss and try to create from there. He is the punt returner and the main kick returner as well. So uh, provides that elusiveness on special teams that they didn't really get him going big in that regard a year ago, didn't have many opportunities to return punts a year ago. So I think they're hoping to find ways to scheme him up a little bit more this year and use that. So you know, he's, he's fun to watch when he gets the ball in space and 
I think that's the goal for Matt Kubik. That's the goal for Alonzo Hampton, the special teams coordinator, is to try to find ways, get him the ball in space and let him do his magic. Will Derek, Jarek Sparks, Zach Jackson, they all back? All back. Uh, the top five receivers back from a year ago. I mean, there's a lot of depth. Like I said, at running back, there's it's their receiver as well. Uh, when you throw in, like you said, Will Derrick, another guy that will go over the middle, uh, you know, kind of, he's, he's a, his nickname sunshine. Anyway, he's got that bright blonde uh, bleach blonde hair anyway, that kind of flowing at times too. And uh, then you've got Zach Jackson, who seems like he has been here for about 10 years now. <laughs> I mean, he's just been around forever. Uh, Fred Lloyd's back again, Jevin Fred, Darian Wiley, Jordan Carroll. I mean, I just go down up and down the depth chart. I mean, it's all guys that we've called their names over the last few years and, then you throw in a, a guy like Tyrone Howell, who's a transfer from Kansas State, that can maybe be a difference maker too for the Warhawks this year on the outside. So a lot of options for Chandler Rogers. I really like the pieces of this offense. The question goes back to it is year one again with a new coordinator. Just how quickly can it come together and blend? I think they've got the potential to, to be pretty good and maybe be in the upper half of the Sun Belt as far as offense is concerned this year. Well, the one thing that that impresses me the most about the receiving core is all of your top guys, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, top seven guys, all of them that you mentioned, all 10 plus yards uh, on an average of reception. And then you also have the, you know, the long of 46, 81, 43, 31, 40. So it tells me you got some speed or otherwise they were just left wide open. Uh, you, you've got some talent there now. <laughs> I think they're excited about what they bring back there. And then you throw in even the tight ends too, uh, to have Zach Rasmussen that he didn't have many catches last year, but they went for touchdowns when he had catches that he found ways to get open because you kind of forget about him a little bit. He stays in the block, but then when, if he releases to go out, a lot of times he found himself open. Uh, Nolan Quinlan's been in uh, here at ULM for a year now. Didn't play last year. Uh, a whole lot if he did and uh he's he's a guy a transfer from Wagner I think they're excited to get involved and uh Ryland Green's a local kid from West Monroe that will get some time and then Abraham Alsey who was the big uh thumper fullback at times a year ago has transitioned to tight end too so they nice. got depth there and uh he, he'll even line up in the backfield still a little bit uh every now and then if you need a guy for the lead blocker because he is six foot 260 and <laughs> he'll go get it done for you try to uh, plow through and uh you know if a short yardage situation comes up i'm sure we may still see him as the lead blocker but like you said i mean it's a lot of depth at wide receiver a lot of weapons uh you, you know i think they're just hoping to find a way to make it all blend together and uh, get that chemistry rolling. It's going to be a tough first month of the season anyway to try to get that going. But uh, you know what? If you can get it going against that schedule over the first four weeks, you're going to be doing pretty well come the rest of the way. You're listening. We're talking with Craig Malance on Mike Hammett. Mike is the voice, the new voice, official voice of uh, the ULM Warhawks. Uh, Mike, all of those skill positions sound great and awesome, unless. You don't have anybody up front to block for him. I mean, you guys got, yeah. Oh, excuse me for a second. Here, let me put the uh, mute button on here for a second. While I, uh, sorry about that, Mike. But let's go back to the offensive line. You got uh, uh, 
Victor Cutler and is Peyton Dunn back this year healthy Peyton and Dunn everything? Back. Yeah, Peyton Dunn is back. Uh, Keydrell Lewis is back. Uh, they've got a few pieces up there. Of course, they tried to bring in some more help up front. Uh, they like Telic Lockett, uh, 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 freshman, 6'4", 333. Uh, he's one of the guys all season time up front. And Zarian McGill uh, is another newcomer up front, six or believe newcomer anyway, 6'1", uh, 309 sophomore. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys up front that they've battled some injuries in camp at that along the line in particular, but, uh, you know, nothing that was season ending, nothing that was serious. They're expecting everybody to be back before week one anyway. So it's just a matter of getting them some time again, kind of like the skill guys get that chemistry down. You know, if they can get that going, uh, up front, uh, Victor Cutler has been a piece of this line for a while now. So is Peyton Dunn. I mean, they're going to be the guys counted on to lead it. So, you know, I, I think with what they have skill position wise, I have said all along, my thought is, and maybe I'm wrong, but my thought is if you can get average play out of your offensive line, you're going to be okay. And so, um, I, you know, obviously they want more than that. And right. uh, I think fans want more than that, but it's like, if they can just hold their own, give Chandler Rogers enough time to get rid of the ball, open up enough of a lane to allow, you know, Andrew Henry or Malik Jackson, Isaiah Phillips, whoever it may be in the backfield to get going, it's going to be big. And so I don't think any of these guys are, you know, necessarily going to grab attention even toward the end of the season. I hope that changes, you know, as far as awards go, but boy, if they can come together as a unit and just be, be okay, you know, and that will give this, the skill guys, the depth there, a chance to do some big things. Good deal. Uh, Mike, let's take our first break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the defense. You're listening to We're Talking with Craig Malonso and Mike Hamlet, voice of the ULM Warhawks. Welcome back into We're Talking, Craig Malonso and Mike Hammett, voice of the ULM Warhawks. Mike, um, defensively up there, you lost, I won't say your best player, but one of your, your best players with – Trayvon Webster, how do you replace a guy like that? You know, it's, it is difficult. He was uh, the heartbeat of this defense. I mean, he was a guy, very emotional player, maybe a little too emotional at times, but that's a good thing. I'd rather reel a guy back in and try to have to crank somebody up to be out there and, and lead with that. But he was such a good uh, defender, very aggressive, fly into the ball guy. They've got pieces back. I think they feel pretty good about their front seven with uh, Vic Coning taking over on the defensive side of things this year. Uh, they're going to do all sorts of different things defensively. I think you're going to see, you know, at times whether it's a three-man front, then switch to a four-man front, and maybe they'll have four linebackers. Maybe then next play they may have two. And, I mean, they're going to do a lot of different things. But the biggest thing Vic Coning wants to do is have his defense get to the quarterback. And he's going to tweak things and do that to be – able to get pressure in the backfield. And so, yeah, you lose uh, Travion Webster, but Zach Woodard is back. And he's a guy that I feel like should have got some preseason all-conference recognition. He didn't. And so I'm hoping that can be a chip on his shoulder this year. Uh, he was a transfer from Jacksonville State a year ago. And now back for his last season, he'll be that middle linebacker role. Tristan Drigger saw a lot of time a year ago. Uh, in a reserve role and Quay Drake will kind of go back and forth between is he a linebacker in this play is he going to be a safety this play he kind of plays that hybrid role uh, at, so as does Jabari Johnson Jordan Riley those types of guys so I'm interested to see how that all works out the different looks they're going to throw out there but 
you know, to lose a guy like Travion Webster hurts, but I think Zach Woodard kind of had a little bit of that leadership role last year too. And I think he knows where it's his last season and everything. This is his defense. This is his time to go out and lead that group. And I think he steps right in and takes that, that leadership role that Travion Webster had. How difficult is it now? And, and preseason honors are exactly that preseason. We don't know what people are going to do, who falls on their face, who gets hurt and so forth. But at the same time, how difficult is it now with 14 team versus the 10 team? I mean, it's a little harder to get on one of those teams. It's a bigger honor, I think, for sure, to be on one of those teams at this point. And, and not just 14 teams, but as you know, and I'm sure we're going to talk about here later, it's quality teams that you brought into this league as well. When you talk about Marshall, when you talk about James Madison, who I think is going to jump in and surprise some people. I mean, we saw this in the Sun Belt with App State, Georgia, Southern, Coastal Carolina. You bring up a quality FCS program, they can jump right in and play right away with the big boys. So I think we're going to see that with them. And, uh, you know, and then Old Dominion's been building that program and Southern Miss has such great tradition. And I think they're headed back in the right direction again, too. When you have 14 teams, it is so hard to get on those preseason lists. And so uh, you're glad for what you have. But at the same time, I think for a guy like a Zach Woodard, who I feel like is one of the best linebackers in this league, hey, just use that as fuel. Go out there and show them and make sure you're on that postseason list because the postseason honor sure means a heck of a lot more than the preseason honor. Yeah, you'd almost want the, uh, which it essentially is, but your preseason honors more of a, uh, a watch list of who mm-hmm. – versus preseason all-conference. I don't know. That's not something that I would uh, – I mean, it's great to be noticed, but it's not something I would put up on the wall, especially if, you, if you're if you not the the postseason yeah. uh, all-conference. <laughs> preseason uh, all-conference. That's uh, – yeah, you, that's nice, but, yeah, you're right. Postseason, that's what you want on your bio, on the website. That's what you want the, the – like you said, hanging on your wall. That's That's the bigger thing. Let's talk special teams. Well, uh, defensively, uh, before we go to that, I'm sorry, we talked about some players. What is the scheme, though, that you run? Is it three down up front? Is it four? Uh, the, you know, we talked earlier that new defensive coordinator. How much has that scheme has changed? It's changed quite a bit. And uh, I think last year uh, was more of that four-man front. This year will be, I think, primarily a three-man front, but you will see four at times, and just kind of depends on situations, what's working that day, what's in the game plan that day for that opponent. So, uh, you know, they have uh, on the depth charts that have been released here during camp, they do list only three defensive starting positions anyway. And then from there, you've got uh, about four different linebackers' positions, although two of them could be that hybrid, you know, do you slide them into a D back or what do you do with them role? And so, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how it works. Uh, Vic Coning, like, like I said, he's been around the game forever. He's, uh, he's a veteran guy and uh, he's been a part of some very good defenses in college football over the years. And I don't think he even said as much. Uh, we had a season ticket holder appreciation event the other night and, and he told the crowd, he's like, he said, uh, you know, they added a lot of depth in the offseason, but maybe not as much depth as he had hoped to get. So it's still a little bit of a work in progress on that side as far as getting the numbers they want to do, what exactly he wants to do on that side of the ball. But uh, closer than they were a year ago, feel like that side's going to be a work in progress and improve as the year goes along. 
the unfortunate thing is early in the year when they're getting it together, you got to go face Bijan Robinson week one in Austin. You got to go face Nick Saban in Alabama in week three. And of course you got the Cajuns coming up here in week four. So uh, it's going to have, you're going to have to grow up in a hurry on that side and figure things out on the fly a little bit. But again, you get through that part of the schedule and you're healthy and maybe you found a way to, you know, be okay record wise and everything. The rest of the schedule opens up from there. It's not as difficult as those first four, which I, I keep forgetting to mention. A very good Nichols team coming in here week two as well. Yes. So it's a you know that's a tough way to open the season. But again, if you can come out of that battle tested and ready to go, you have a chance to make some hay the rest of the way. So you mentioned the uh, four linebackers, which I was going to ask you about if it was going to be three or four, because talking to JT Crabtree yesterday from South Alabama they're actually going with a five defensive back. So mm -hmm. a scheme with, with three, three and, and, or I, I'm so, I don't remember now if it's three, three and three or if it's four, two and five, but so you mentioned though, I just want to make sure I, I heard mm -hmm. you correctly. One of the linebackers would slide back into that fifth defensive back. It's not right. bringing in somebody new at that point. So you got that kind of hybrid guy there. It, it would seem like the base may be more of a three, three, five. It would, and then you have kind of guys you can slide into maybe if you need a fourth backer or, you know, you need a fourth defensive lineman, whatever you need at that point. But it, it would certainly look like it's going to be a three, three, five. Uh, but coach coach even said, I think when we put this out, you know, what your base is, I think it's going to probably say multiple for defense just because they're going to throw so many different looks out there trying to confuse the offense. So, I think three three five is the predominant look, but they're not going to be afraid to change it up down to down, series to series, game to game, whatever they need to do to get a little bit of an, an advantage to try to make up for maybe some of that perceived depth. That At this point, he's talking about depth in the threes necessarily, not necessarily depth in the, the ones or twos, but it's getting that third level. And so trying to find a way to mask that a little bit and take advantage of the talent you do have on the field. Good deal. Now, we, we talked about the opportunity at uh, Boogie Night the ball on special teams, and that requires your defense to make stops so that the team can actually punt. And it sounds like upgraded the defense, different type of scheme. So, uh, but Boogie Night, dynamic, besides the name, dynamic player on the field. Outside of him, is, is there anyone behind him? that we need to look out for that maybe, I don't know, late in the game would come in uh, or, or the, or the second, the second uh, guy on kickoff returns possibly. Right now they're looking at Malik Jackson as being that other guy on the kickoff returns. Uh, if Boogie can't handle punts for some reason, Tyrone Howell's listed as a backup guy, but I think it's probably going to be a guy that we're going to see more and more of as the year goes along. His name's all red Luke. He was a walk-on, uh, didn't play, just played sparingly a year ago. Now listed as a redshirt freshman because he didn't cross that four-game threshold. Uh, he's been very impressive so far in uh, practice and everything. They're finding ways to utilize his size. I mean, he's 5'8", 174 is what he's listed as, but he is a fast, shifty little guy. I mean, he almost reminds you a little bit of Marcus Green out there as far as what he can do. Uh, just with his frame, his speed, his agility, 
So I think, and of course, Matt Kubik coached Marcus Green. So I think there's some of those things going in his head about how can we do some of those things again and uh, kind of get that uh, same type of look with him. He's a guy I'm excited to see what his role is going to be going along with this group because he's certainly shown some explosiveness at times here in the practice leading up to this first week against Texas. Um, I'm just looking at uh, Caleb Sutherland. Is he back as your field goal kicker and your yeah, kickoff? He, he is back and he's uh, – you know, another guy, when we talk about preseason honors, he's kind of got missed a little bit here. And it, it's odd because last year ULM actually had a good kicker. And that's been a thing that's uh, really hurt the Warhawks a lot over the years is not is having a guy who can't hit those clutch kicks. And he hit a couple of them last year. Of course, uh, the one against Jackson State just to get the win. I mean, you know, say what you will is Jackson State. I mean, what Coach Prime's done there. I mean, that's that's a heck of a ball club over there. And uh, ULM escaped with a 12-7 win that night on the strength of four Callum Sutherland field goals because that's all they could muster against a strong Jackson State defense. But that win helped propel some things later because it finally got some confidence going, snapped that long losing streak, and, and put some wind in the sails of this program. Uh, he hit a big, uh, I believe, 54-yarder against Liberty late in that game to help kind of seal that thing against the Flames. Uh, he's so such a good weapon for this team. And he's got a goal of making it to the league. He certainly has a, has the leg and the accuracy to make it to the league. So that's what he's back is to try to prove I'm good enough to get drafted. I'm good enough to go uh, give myself a chance in the NFL. And what's even better is he's a guy, he was born in Scotland, <laughs> Callum Sutherland. Oh. He comes over here to the U.S. with his family when he's, uh, I think he said seven or eight, somewhere in that range. And so he just talked to the guy. You really got to listen closely to pick up the accent but then if you ask him about it he can lay it on thick for you too so he's uh he's he's been fun to have around this program and and certainly you know a great weapon for the warhawks to have because you feel like anytime they get to you know the 30 maybe even the 35 they're going to have a way to get some points on the board with that drive you mentioned the uh, 53 yarder against liberty it's funny because I think one of the best lines I've heard from any announcer was your your color guy after Nick called the called the uh, kick. He goes, you know, that something to the fact that yes, that would have been good from fifty three and a half. Yeah, yeah, it, it got over just enough anyway. But uh, you know, he's he was so clutch last year to hit some of those things that that's something ULM has been missing for a long time, and I know. Uh, Fans are excited. I mean, it's it's rare when it happens for a kicker. Fans are excited that Callum Sutherland, the kicker, is back again for another season here in 2022. What about your punter? I mean, if I remember correctly, uh, the uh, and I'm probably misremembering, but against Jackson State, I, I thought he struggled a little bit there with. Uh, now that I think I don't think the weather was very good either, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Devin McCormick was the guy a year ago, and he's back this year. Uh, he had some great numbers at Ave Maria, playing at an NAIA in Florida, and then tra the transfer portal ends up at ULM, uh, going all the way from the NAIA to the FBS. You don't see that too often, but it happened with Devin McCormick and his brother Derek, who's also one of the uh, younger brother, who's one of the backup punters and backup kickers. Uh, but he had some great numbers, and I think the staff, 
when they saw his numbers from Ave Maria and in the portal, it's like, well, punting the ball doesn't change from the NAIA to FBS. I mean, that's that doesn't really matter the level of competition. So yep. I don't think he had the year he had hoped for last year. I mean, it was an improvement over what the Warhawks had in 2020. They really struggled in the in the kicking game in 2020 and 2019. I think he's looking to take another step forward this year, but uh, certainly a guy that has the potential to be a weapon for ULM. It's, we just need to see it, it get realized here and hopefully has some opportunities early in the year to kind of build that confidence and put a big leg in the kicking game for ULM. Good deal. Uh, Mike, let's go ahead and take our, our next break. You're listening. We're talking with Craig Malasa on Mike Hamlet, the uh, voice of the ULM Warhawks. Welcome back into We're Talking, Craig Melanson and Mike Hammett of the ULM Warhawks, voice of the ULM Warhawks, new voice of the ULM Warhawks at football, basketball, and my favorite sport, baseball. But, Mike, uh, you know, I don't know when this schedule was made, uh, <laughs> and if if Terry Bowden knew it was made when he took the, the job, but you guys start out at Texas. Mm -hmm. uh nickels like you said earlier not not a, a gimme game there uh with tim rebo coming up from uh thibodeau and then alabama why does your ad is that why he quit because he because because terry bowden threatened him i think i think i don't know this for sure but i believe the schedule was made by a former deputy athletic director of ours that uh, hasn't been here for a couple of years at this point anyway but I, he, I was, you're right. he was kind of the guy tasked with making the football schedules and so uh yeah texas and alabama <laughs> in the same season two weeks apart and oh yeah there's that other third road non-conference game with the trip to west point in late october too so uh that's not an easy one either so uh, you know, to play Texas down there is going to be a lot of fun, I think, to open the season. I mean, you guys did that a, a year ago at Lafayette. I mean, you know, it, goodness. I mean, what a way to to get to, to start the season, to go to a venue like that. And, of course, uh, to see uh, Quinn Ewers and all the controversy that's going to be ensuing over the next year with Arch Manning and all that uh, going on at Texas. That'll be fun. And then uh, Alabama week three. Uh, <laughs> You know, Nick Saban, the only time Nick Saban has lost at home to a non-conference team was in 2007. And so uh, I don't think he's going to be taking it lightly on the Warhawks come September 17th in Tuscaloosa. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting schedule. Even better is those two play each other week two as well. So, you know, maybe you can sneak in week one in Austin and they're getting hyped for hosting Alabama in week two. And they're like, we just got this four and eight ULM team. So maybe you can hang with the Longhorns for a little bit. Hopefully, you know, maybe they're uh, looking ahead to Alabama. And then to find Alabama week three coming off a game at Texas in week two. I mean, I don't think that's going to be a very pretty game. I think uh, <laughs> I think Coach Saban's going to be reminding them quite often of what happened in 2007 that week. So as to not take it lightly. So. I think the biggest key the first three weeks for ULM, Texas, Alabama, and then Nichols, who, uh, you know, is a, a playoff caliber team in the FCS and uh, can make some noise there. Coming to, uh, to Monroe, to Malone Stadium, ah, you know, it's that's the game. The Warhawks have got to be dialed in in week two and take care of business against Nichols. If they can come out of the first three weeks, one and two, and you know, and, 
you know, you'd love to stun one of them. You know, I, I think it's, you're asking a lot to do both, but uh, you know, if you can find a way to just at least be one and two, but be healthy, be healthy. That's the biggest thing. If you're still in good shape from a health standpoint, entering Sunbelt play with week four, with the Cajuns coming up here to Malone stadium, I think, I think you're in good shape. And, you know, last year's game uh, down at Cajun field was such a good one that, uh, you know, you get it going here in Monroe in week four, uh, you know, I don't know how I feel about bringing that game back to the beginning of the season, but at the same time, it's a, it's an exciting way to start Sunbelt conference play. And I hope uh, the, the stands are filled. We can have a good atmosphere that day. And then we start to really see how this Warhawk team measures up with the Sunbelt conference starting there September 24th. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that uh, playing earlier in the year. Uh, uh, it's been a while since we've done that. We played a couple of times, uh, 2000, 12 or 13 in the middle of the season. I think it's good because too many times at the end of the season, the game has meant nothing. No, mm -hmm. you know, right. It, it, I mean, for both teams, uh, the Cajuns had either already wrapped up the, the West and coach Napier would not, you know, ne had never lost to a uh, Western conference team, but I think it, it, it bodes well because I remember some games going up there, uh back in probably what are we uh 2012 or so we had, it was earlier in the year the the weather was nice and it had a pretty good turnout and so. i'm hope i'm hopeful for that of course we do seven o'clock kickoffs that early in the season to try to help with the students anyway because otherwise they're baking in the sun sitting on the east side of the stadium looking back to the west so uh, I'm hoping we can get a great crowd. We're doing, it's our youth day game that day too, against the Cajuns. So, uh, you know, it's going to be, I think a great atmosphere. And again, like I say, you know, you get through the first three weeks of the season, I'm hoping both clubs are healthy coming into that one. It's going to be a good indicator of where I think both teams are at. I think Cajun fans are interested to know where are they at with all the, everything that's happened with that program over the last few months. So, uh, it's going to be, I think a good measuring stick for both teams, a good barometer to see where you're at. And then ULM goes to Arkansas State the next week and takes on a team that I think there's, I think a lot of folks are interested to see where they're at in year two under Butch Jones. So, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of questions that are going to get answered in the first couple of weeks of conference play. But again, it goes back to the biggest key is coming out of that tough three game stretch healthy. Can they be healthy so we can really see where this program is compared to their peers in the Sunbelt Conference? Absolutely. You're listening to We're Talking with Craig Melanson and Mike Hammett, voice of the ULM Warhawks. You mentioned Arkansas State and uh, Butch Jones. You guys are uh, are closer to them than we are, but at the same time, the Cajuns have a, a pretty long history with them going mm -hmm. back. Uh, even when I was in school or before, uh, right after I was in school, I remember going to games up there when I was working in Memphis. Uh, we weren't in the same conference necessarily. But have you heard much about them uh, as far as what's going on? I know you've got new duties with being the voice, but you're also the uh, I'm I, and I'm sorry I don't know your correct title, but the director. Yes, I Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, they, all these SIDs have changed to director of communication, so I right. I, I don't want to insult anyone. So, but uh, that's, so, that's what I consider my secondary job, to be perfectly honest. Yes, it's yeah. a full-time job and it pays the bills, but I'm a broadcaster first and foremost. Right. So yeah, it's uh yeah, 
it is what it is. I mean, I'm the SID for a lot of sports up here. I'm not the primary guy for football and I'm not the primary guy for softball. And that's about it. So, okay. you know, I have a lot of hats up here and uh, yeah, that's uh, like you say, Arkansas state. I, I haven't heard a lot about them. Okay. Uh, I also haven't looked into them a whole lot either to be fair just yet this far out from the season, but I, I just know coach coach Jones and his track record of building programs, you know, uh, He's, I, I'm sure he's made a lot of changes. I'm sure they're going to be a much improved team this year. I'm interested to see them. I wish they were coming to Monroe this year because I feel like you got a better chance to get them at home. But someday the Warhawks, the Warhawks do not have a good history in Jonesboro. They don't have a good history in a lot of places, but especially Jonesboro. And uh, you got to break that someday. And so why not 2022? And so, uh, get them early in the season-ish, you know, October 1st, get them about mid-season. So I think it'll be a fun game up there in Jonesboro. Again, good history too. I mean, this used to be a, and I think it still can be a little bit of a rivalry matchup because it used to be the Indians against the Indians and all that. And so, uh, you know, it, it can get back to that level. And I'm hoping that the Warhawks are headed in that direction that, again, build up the rivalry build up all their rivalries and establish new ones and get one going with Southern Miss too, because I mean, they're right in the backyard as well. So uh, this, it'll be exciting, I think. And, you know, like I said, with coach Butch Jones, I think they're going to be a much improved team. They may be the team that surprises some folks in the West. And I think ULM wants to be that team too. So we'll see how improved this West division is and a state's going to be one of them. Well, if it makes you feel any better, the, the Cajuns have had some recent success up at Arkansas State, but overall, uh, I don't think we're even a 500 ball club up there in Jonesboro. Yeah. So, mm. um, I, I'm just looking at your schedule and, and your home games seem to have a lot of, I'm assuming, sponsored by Canes, sponsored by St. Francis, right, uh, and stuff. I mean, is that fairly new? And and I is that what nick is doing also on the side i mean, i shouldn't say on yeah. the side I, I know he does sell sales for learfield so he's kind of our you're like we have cajun sports property so he's the one who's right. going getting getting all the sponsorships and everything yeah that's part of it i mean we've had game day sponsors before i think this is the first year we've actually thrown the logos on the schedule page on the website so i okay. don't remember that previously so uh, that is new, but yeah, there's the, like you said, you know, we've got the different ones out there that uh, are doing the various games. And so we've only got five home games. So uh, those are the, uh, probably the biggest sponsors anyway, but they get the opportunity to be the game day sponsors for the home games. And uh, it's, you know, Nick, Nick's been busy. Uh, they've been doing well with Warhawk sports properties and selling. I know he's, uh, they've been announcing a lot of new partnerships all the time anyway. So uh, it's him and uh, our general manager, Greg Lynch. And, uh, you know, our, we've got a coordinator, Drew Bellapani, who's uh, been doing a great job too. And I just, uh, they, they hand me, here's your list of sponsors <laughs> and give me the, give me the reads. And I just run with it. I'm, I'm a little bit like Ron Burgundy. You put that in the script. I'm just going <laughs> to read it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, a, you know, we'll be getting that in this next week and getting that going, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Good to see some good sponsors too for these five home games this year, and uh, so yeah, we'll uh, when the Cajuns come to town, it's the St. Francis Medical Center Youth Day with the uh, Cajuns coming in. Well, that's uh, good. Good for y'all, though. I mean, I just didn't know uh, if those were uh, uh, renewals or what it was. I I know Nick posts them on his Facebook page, so oh yes, um, 
Let's talk about something here. You guys play Army. You're one of four Sunbelt Conference teams that plays Army this year. Um, you know, Army is going to uh, Coastal and going to Troy and then uh, has Georgia State and uh, ULM. Uh, now, so last year, I believe it was, Army went to Georgia State. So do you guys have Army coming to you? They will be the season opener next year here at uh, Malone Stadium. So uh, that'll be an exciting one and a good way to kind of build up the excitement next year. I know we typically do our military appreciation day around Veterans Day. I'd imagine it's going to be the season opener next year. I don't know that for sure. If it's not, you got a problem. (laughs) We do. Yeah. So I I hope we have that uh, coming anyway down the pike, but, uh, you know, to go up to Army is one I'm especially excited for. Uh, personally, we uh, played up there in 2020. I did not get to go on that trip. It was COVID, you know, everything going on, of course. And so it was smaller travel parties. And the guy hosting the, the uh, hour, uh, the starting at the two-hour mark of pregame, going to one hour, and the halftime didn't get to go. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't make the cut. I get to make the cut this year as a play-by-play guy. So uh, and uh, I'm just I'm excited to see the tradition, everything up there, you know, going to Texas and Alabama is going to be fun. I think I may be more excited for Army than Alabama or Texas uh, personally, plus uh, the tight ends coach at Army uh, guy by the name of Matt Drinkle. He is a rising star in this industry uh, as a coach uh, in a previous radio life. I was the voice of Kansas Wesleyan University. He was the head coach at Kansas Wesley in my last two years there. And uh yeah, had a great relationship with him. He flipped that program in just uh, the two seasons that I was there. Went two and nine the first year. And then uh, <laughs> before the transfer portal, uh, that league we were in up there did not have a rule about sitting out a year if you transfer within the league. And we had new stadium coming in, uh, new uniforms, uh, a young coaching staff that were all in their young, uh, low, uh, younger 30s, if not their 20s at that point. We got a lot of guys from the league that transferred in and went 10 and two and went to the national playoffs the second year. So uh, it was a lot of fun with him and I'm excited to go see him. And I know he's, uh, he's uh, messaged me already about uh, coming up to West Point. So uh, it'll be fun to see him this year and next year, potentially if he's still hanging on at army, but a guy that's gone from being an NAIA head coach to a tight ends coach at a very good FBS program in the span of about uh, five years or so. I mean, goodness, he's, he's a rising star and I'm excited for him, excited to go see army. And of course, by that point in the season for the Warhawks, unfortunately, uh, that is going to be a well-oiled flex bone machine. And so you're going to have to adjust your defense in one week to get ready for that attack. It'll be a difficult task, but again, if this defense is coming together, maybe the Warhawks will have a chance to go up there and take on the black Knights. As an Army brat, I would love to go up there. So if you're listening, Dr. Magger, get up, get Army on the schedule. I'd love for them to be here, too. Get Navy on the schedule. Come on, let's do this. That's right. Yeah. But, all right, um, I'm not necessarily in depth, but uh, let's talk about uh, quickly James Madison, Old Dominion, Marshall. You got any history there that you know about with the Warhawks? I mean, uh, as far as as far as James Madison and Old Dominion, I don't know of any. I know ULM, of course, NLU at the time, um, and Marshall, I believe, met in the 1987 uh, 1AA playoffs when ULM won the national championship. 
And so uh, that was, uh, I believe that may have been the national championship game. I'm, I, you know, I don't have it all right here in front of right. me. Anyway. I just, I know that's the history anyway. And so there is some history between the Warhawks and the herd. And uh, I mean, of course, I mean, <laughs> the excellent history that they had as a, a one double a program uh, before coming up to uh, FBS in the mid nineties. Uh, and, and NLU was a great one double a program, you know, in the late eighties and, you know, early nineties before they made the transition as well. And, so there is a little bit of history there at the herd, but uh, I think Old Dominion and James Madison, those, those are new things. and New things are not necessarily bad things. So I just won't see them this year for sure. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I haven't seen the, the composite schedule moving forward, but uh, we'll see them at some point in the next seven years or whatever it is on the rotation. We'll see them come through soon enough anyway. Exactly. Um so you avoid all of them, but one that you, you can't avoid is Southern Miss. Do you guys have, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure in the past you've played them, uh, but I, w- I was talking with uh, with JT Crabtree yesterday, and uh, the the Southern Miss, uh, the, the Cajuns have scheduled them in baseball, so has Troy, so is, so is South Alabama. Have you guys played them much in baseball over the last couple of years? We played them in 2019. That would have been Coach Fed's second season. It was my first season uh, doing Warhawk baseball. Played them at, in Hattiesburg, just the one midweek game. Uh, and, of course, Coach Fed came from Southern Miss. Uh, he was That's the right. Coaching coach before he came here. So, uh, you know, he's got a great relationship with Coach Barry and every, everybody down there. So um, I, think, uh, I think he's excited to get that going again. Also, you know, makes – UL in baseball, I mean, Coach Fed's done a great job with this program. 2022, I think, was a step back, but I think they're excited to take a step forward again in 2023. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's just causes you to raise your program and raise what you're trying to do even more because, you know, this league has gotten so much better in football. And I think you and I talked about this at the conference tournament. This league is going to be even better in baseball. And in baseball, I, I understand it doesn't get all the headlines from everybody, but baseball-wise, this league's going to be incredible because it was already great, and now you've added a great program in Southern Miss, a great program in Old Dominion. James Madison, I think, is going to get there in a hurry, and you're hoping Marshall can put something together, too, just because the rest of this league is so competitive that they'll have to raise uh, what they do as well. And I think they're trying to because they're trying to get that facility going and whatnot in, in Huntington. So I think Sunbelt baseball, you know, as good a shape as we are in in football, Sunbelt, Sunbelt baseball, my goodness, it's, it's uh, going to be awfully tough to qualify for the conference tournament in Montgomery. You're going to be good to get there, and the level of play in that tournament is going to be even better as a result of it. So this league already had four bids this last year. It's going to be, I think, a four- to five-bid league moving forward. It's something I think is very exciting. I know you and I have sat and watched baseball there and watched the, the various teams play when, when our teams were not playing. So uh, I look forward to Montgomery and, and, and that venue. Uh, I enjoy it. Uh, it's everything's within walking distance. So um, great venue. I love it. I'm, I'm glad every time we get to go, I'm glad to be there. And, you know, they couldn't do any better where the hotels are and, the, uh, you know, places to eat and everything and the ballparks right there. You park the car and you're there for a week and you don't you, you don't get in the car unless, you know, you have 72 hours that you don't play a game. But <laughs> that's exactly. another story. <laughs> yeah, well, we won't go there. That's true. 
Uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time. But before we go, I should I should ask you any last anything that we didn't touch on that you think is important to ULM football. I just think this is an exciting year and also maybe a pivotal year for Coach uh, Coach Bowden just to see where the, the direction this program's headed. And, uh, you know, uh, there's going to be a new athletic director coming in as well. So this is going to be, I think, a season where if you can at least show improvement, you're going to be okay. But if things, you know, are a struggle, it, it could be interesting. So, you know, I, it's a pivotal year, a big year to get things done. But I think Coach Bowden and everybody involved is up to the task and they know what's at stake. And uh, it's going to be an interesting year. I think a fun year of Warhawk football if you can weather the first three weeks, three to four weeks of this season. Well, you know, we, we talked uh, about your uh, position, your, your key position players and your skill position players probably being the strength of your team, but mm -hmm. where, where you can't afford to get hurt in two of those three games mm -hmm. is your, is your down lineman on either side right. of the ball, because mm -hmm. then it won't really matter what your right. skill positions do. Absolutely. So, going to be a fun few weeks It'd be a lot of fun going to texas and alabama let's just be healthy week four with conference play gets going yes sir well look forward to it look looking forward to the trip up to monroe being earlier in the year can you make sure the radio booth on the cajun side though do not have the wasp this year <laughs> i think you may be early enough that's typically a mid to late october thing so you may oh, be early enough this year on that oh my goodness man i swell up like a bullfrog so i'm like going <laughs> and i've never seen so many wasps in my life so uh but. they're just trying to get out of the cold i think you're early enough this year though <laughs> okay well again thanks mike uh, we'll talk to you soon uh, we'll catch you again before the cajuns play and we can see how you guys did your first two games and our first three games and uh, how you've weathered the storm. So, well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You're welcome. You've been listening. We're talking with Craig Malosaw and Mike Kamet of the ULM Warhawks, voice of the ULM Warhawks. We'll be back next week now. I guess it is Friday. So, we'll be back next week with more episodes of We're Talking. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.